Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Daily Devotions. Now, as you know, we are having our car drive-in services this weekend. So please make sure you reach out to us so we can have a slot booked for you this weekend. We are so, so, so looking forward to being able to take care of you and your family members as you come to God's house. It's truly going to be our honor, opportunity, and privilege to help take care of you for this service while we can. So again, make sure you reach out to us, your campus pastors, your district pastors, so we can get a slot booked for you. Now, let us turn and hear our Psalms 91 passage for this morning. Psalm 91, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of Almighty. I will say to the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in whom I trust, surely he'll save you from the foulest snare and the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, and a thousand may fall at your right hand it shall not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishments of the wicked. If you say, The Lord is my refuge, and you make the most higher dwelling, then no harm will overtake you, and no disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guide you in all your ways. They will lift you up with their hands to make sure that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on a lion and a cobra and trample on a great lion and serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him because he acknowledges my name. I, he will call on me and I will be with him and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. That was just beautiful. Now let us turn and open up our hearts as we get ready to have some beautiful praise and worship this morning. Let's prepare and get our hearts ready and worship our wonderful Father.
right, guys, now we are going to be getting into our Bible reading. So let's grab our Bibles, our pens, and let's grab our book stands, whatever we're going to be using for our devotions this morning. And let's set up and open our Bibles to Romans chapter 16 as we get ready to wrap up this morning. It says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church of Sancreae, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you. For she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. So here's a great solid woman. And he's saying, guys, you know what? She has been good. She's been faithful. She's been serving. Help her as she has helped you as she's helped me. Let's watch out for her as well. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Now here we see a very special relationship with Priscilla and Aquila and Paul. Now, you're taking a look and seeing people who have history together. You're taking a look and seeing people who have done ministry, who have done church together for a long time. You're not talking about a one-way street here. You're talking about relationship back and forth. These people chose to serve. These people chose to associate themselves with Paul. And these people also chose to stick their necks out, realizing that a relationship with someone, yes, it's going to have benefits. Yes, there's going to be help. But that association that comes with that is going to sometimes bring some issues that come along with it. Not because the person is bad, but because they stand firm for what's right. So they paid a price to stay and be close and have a relationship with, with Paul. They stood with him. He stood with them. They have a relationship and did life together. And we see that here. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved Ephenatus, who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Ananias and Junia, my kingsmen and fellow prisoners. They are well known to the apostles and were in Christ before me. So we're talking about long-term people here. Ooh, some thunder this morning. Greet Amphidius, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbantus to our fellow worker in Christ and my beloved Stachys. Greet Apels who is approved in Christ. They are approved. Their life is worthy. Greet those who belong to the family of Artibulus. Greet my kinsman Herodian. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Greet those workers in the Lord. Tephrania, Tephosa. Greet the beloved Perses who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord. Also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. Greet Asyncius, Phlegian, Hermes, Bartobas, Hermas, and the brothers who are with them. Greet Philogius, Julia, 
Nereus, and his sister Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. Here you see a group of people who are doing ministry, who have relationship. He knows who they are. He knows their backstory. Sounds like some visitation has happened here. And we see the importance of knowing the flock, knowing the condition, who they are, what's going on, and more. Verse 17. I appeal to you, brothers. Watch out for those who cause division and who create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. Now there's quite a bit here, so we're going to break it down and talk through these verses. So we see here some watch outs, some things you got to be careful for. We see watch out for people who cause division and who create obstacles. These are not already there. These are man-made. They did something purposefully that causes a division or that created an obstacle just for the sake of opinion? No, they created and caused things that were contrary or against the doctrine that is taught in the Bible. Now, it's important that we are very firm in our doctrines, in our foundations, in our walk with God. So he's saying, hey, be careful. Watch out for these people who are causing and creating these things that are contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Not only watch out, but next he says, avoid them. It's not about opinion, it's doctrine. And you don't wanna mess with people who have wrong doctrines. Avoid these people, just don't associate with them. For such person, it says, doesn't serve the Lord, but their own appetites. Here they might claim to be Christians, but their lifestyle is self-serving, not God-serving. Our lifestyle needs to be one that honors God, one that serves God, and that's important. Then it says, that they serve their own appetites by smooth talk and flattery. They deceive the hearts of the naive with pretty words, with pretty presentations. They manipulate baby Christians. They manipulate or target those who are weak. And we need to avoid that. And this goes and shows how important it is for us to be reading our Bible and praying every day, that digging into the word of God is going to strengthen us. So when these people come around and try and target someone or manipulate someone, we are firm in our relationship with God. We are firm in our doctrines and we will not easily be swayed. Now it continues. It says, for your obedience, verse 19, is known to all so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent to what is evil. Be smart about the decisions you're making in your lives. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Timothy, 
My fellow worker greets you. So does Lucius and Jason and Sopitar, my kinsman. I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, who is host to me and to the whole church, greets you. Eratus, the city treasurer, and our brother Quartus greet you. Doxology next, verse 25. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the teaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but now has been disclosed through the prophetic writings, the Bible and has been made known to all the nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the one and only wise God. Be glorious forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God has come. It is an open book that reveals to us who God is. And we get to have this revelation, which once was a mystery. We now get to see the unfolding of the word of God. And we have such a blessing that we have the understanding that can come from reading this word, that salvation is here for all. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing that we get to have a Bible, that we get to have time to read, that we get to have salvation, a relationship with Christ. And let's never take that for granted. Let's make sure we always spend time each and every day digging into the word of God. Now, let's open up our hearts for some more praise and worship.
Now let's get our Bibles back open and open to the Old Testament. We're going to Esther chapter 8, and we're going to be finishing up the book of Esther today. Now let's walk through, and some of you who have been with us to Israel are going to recognize some of these things. So let's take a look. Chapter 8, verse 1. Esther saves the Jews. On the day of King Ahuzis, he gave to Queen Esther the house of Haman. He gave her the house of Haman, the enemy of the Jews, and Mordecai came before the king. For Esther had told what he was to her. Esther had revealed the importance, the relationship that Mordecai had helped her, who he was, the fact that he was a Jew, that wisdom and counsel came from him, that he was a good, solid man. And the king took off his signet ring, which he had taken from Haman, and gave it to Mordecai. And Esther set Mordecai over the house of Haman. Here we see some transfer and honor from an evil man to a man who loves God, who fears the Lord. Then Esther spoke again to the king. She fell at his feet and wept and pleaded with him to avert the evil plan of Haman the Agite and the plot that he had devised against the Jews. When the king held out the golden scepter to Esther, Esther rose and stood before the king. And she said, if it pleases the king, and if I have found favor in his sight, if the thing seems right before the king, and I am pleasing in his eyes, let an order be written to provoke the letters devised by Haman, the Agite, the son of Hamandetha, which he wrote to destroy the Jews who are in all the provinces of the king. For how can I bear to see the calamity that is coming to my people? Or how can I bear to see the destruction of my kindred? Then the king said to Queen Esther and to Mordecai the Jew, Behold, I have given Esther the house of Haman and have hanged him on the gallows because he intended to lay hands on the Jews. But you may write as you please with your regard to the Jews in the name of the king and seal it with the king's ring, the ring that he gave. For an edict written in the name of the king and sealed with the king's ring cannot be revoked. So the king is saying, okay, let's solve this, let's fix this, and let's fix this in a way that it cannot be undone. The king's scribes were then summoned in the third month, which is the month of Sivan in the 23rd day, and an edict was written according to all that Mordecai had commanded concerning the Jews. What a change of events. There he was, worried about death for himself, because he was so hated, and his people were so hated, and now he's in a position making these decrees and orders with the help of the king. The straps and the coveners and all the officials of the provinces from India to Ethiopia, 127 promises to each province its own script and to each people in its own language. And he wrote in the name of the king and sealed it with the king's signet ring. Then he set the letters by mount, mounted courier riding on swift horses, and they were used in the king's service bred from the royal stud, saying that the king allowed the Jews who were in every city to gather and to defend their lives, to destroy, to kill, and to plunder the goods. Now note that thing about the plunder, because we're going to see that again in a few minutes. 
On one day throughout all the provinces of the king, on the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, which is the month of Adar, a copy of what was written was to be issued a decree to every province, being publicly displayed to all the people. And the Jews were ready on that day to take vengeance against their enemies. So the couriers and the the couriers mounted on their swift horses, and they used the king's service. They rode out hurriedly and urged by the king's command. The decree was issued in Susa, the citadel. Then Mordecai went out from the presence of the king in royal robes of blue and white, with great golden crown, a robe of fine linen and purple, and the city of Susa shouted and rejoiced. The Jews had light and gladness and joy and honor. Talk about turning it around. Fear for their lives. Now they're rejoicing. They're happy. Not only that, but now they have honor. Now what was looked before as trash is now honored in them in their eyes. And in every province, in every city, wherever the king's command and his edict reached, there was gladness and joy among the Jews, a feast and a holiday. And many of the people from the country declared themselves Jews for fear that the of the Jews had fallen on them. Chapter 9. Now the Jews destroy their enemies. Now in the twelfth month, which is the month of Adar, the thirteenth day of the same, when the king's command and the edict were about to be carried out, on the very day where the enemies and the Jews hoped to gain mastery over them, where the enemies of the Jews hoped that they would be able to kill them once and for all, the reverse occurred. That's the great God we have. He can turn every situation around. The reverse occurred. The Jews gained mastery over those who had hated them. The Jews gathered in their cities throughout the provinces and the king of Ahias to lay on those who had sought their harm. And no one could stand against them. For the fear of them had fallen upon all the people. All the officials and the provinces and the satraps and the governors and the royal agents also helped the Jews, for fear of Mordecai had fallen on them, for Mordecai was great in the king's house. See what happens when God promotes you? You are able to do great things. And his fame spread throughout the provinces, for the man Mordecai grew more and more powerful. The Jews struck their enemies with the sword, killing and destroying them, and they did as they pleased to those who hated them. In Susa, the citadel itself, the Jews killed and destroyed 500 men, and also Parshadanta and Dalphon and Asatha and Portha and Adelia and Aridatha and Pamashta and Arsai and Aridai and Vizatha, the ten sons of Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the enemy of the Jews, but they laid no hand to the plunder. Remember, earlier we saw the king said they were allowed to, but here we see they're not laying a hand on the plunder. That very day, those killed in Susa, the citadel, was reported to the king. So the king's getting a report about what's happened. And the king said to Queen Esther, In Susa, the citadel, the Jews have killed and destroyed 500 men and also the 10 sons of Haman. 
What have they done in the rest of the king's provinces? Now, what is your wish? It shall be granted to you. Talk about favor. And Esther said, If it pleases the king, let the Jews who are in Susa be allowed tomorrow also to do according to this day's edict, and let the ten sons of Haman be hanged on the gallows. So the king commanded this to be done. A decree was issued in Susa, and the ten sons of Haman were hanged. The Jews were also in Susa gathered together on the fourteenth day of the month of Adar and killed three hundred men in Susa, but laid no hands on the plunder. Now the rest of the Jews were also in the king's provinces also gathered to defend their lives and got relief from their enemies and killed 75,000 of those who hated them. But again, but they laid no hand to their plunder. This was on the 13th day of the month of Adar. And of the 14th day, they rested and made a day of feasting and gladness. But the Jews who were in Susa gathered on the 13th day of the 14th and rested. And on the 15th day made a day of feasting and gladness. Therefore, the Jews of the villages who live in rural towns hold the 14th day of the month of Adar as a day of gladness and feasting and a holiday and a day on which they send gifts and food to one another. Now it talks about the Feast of Purim. Now, for those of you who have been with us to Israel, this name might sound a little familiar to you. In fact, on a couple of our tours, we've been there during the time in which they celebrate Purim. Now, there's special food that they're going to have. They have a little snack, which actually tastes really good. It sounds bad, but tastes really good. It's a little triangle cookie, and it's called Haman's Ears because of the story of Haman. And they have celebrations and feasts. And we're going to see here some discussion about this in scripture that people still do practice to this day. Now in verse 20. And Mordecai recorded these things and sent letters to all the Jews in all the provinces of the king, both near and far, obliging them to keep the 14th day of the month of Adar, and also the 15th day of the same year by year, as the days on which the Jews got relief from their enemies, and on the month that had been turned for them from sorrow into gladness, from mourning into a holiday that they should make them, days of feasting and gladness, also for sending gifts of food and gifts to the poor, which again, they still do today. So the Jews accepted what they started to do and what Mordecai had written to them. For Haman the Agai, the son of Hamadatha, the enemy of the Jews, had plotted against the Jews to destroy them and had cast pur, pur, which means to cast lots, the first part of purim, to crush and to destroy them. But when it came to the king, he gave orders and writing that his evil plan devised against the Jews should return on his own head, and that he and his sons shall be hanged from the gallows. They Therefore they called these days purim, which they still call it today. After the term poor, 
Therefore, because of all that was written in this letter, and of what they had faced in the matter, and what had happened to them, the Jews firmly obligated themselves and their offspring to keep all who joined them, that without fail they would keep the two days according to what was written at the time appointed every year, and these days should be remembered and kept through every generation." Well, I would say that's definitely happened, considering in the world today, they still celebrate Purim in Israel. In every clan, province, and city that are the days of Purim, they should never fail to disuse among the Jews, nor should the commemoration of these days cease from among their descendants. Again, they have fulfilled that. The Queen Esther, the daughter of Abihal and Mordecai, the Jew, have given full written authority confirming the letter about Purim. The letters were sent to all the Jews and the 127 provinces of the kingdom of Archias in the words of peace and truth, that these days of Purim should be observed and appointed in seasons, as Mordecai the Jew and Queen Esther obligated them, as they had been obligated themselves and their offspring with regard to their fasts, their lamenting. The command of Queen Esther confirmed these practices of Purim, and it was recorded in writing. Now let's wrap up today with the greatness of Mordecai. The king imposed tax on the land of the coastlands and of the sea, and all the acts of his power and might, the full account of the high honor of Mordecai, to which the king advanced him. Again, look what happened. There was plan for his destruction, for his death, for the death of his people. But God turned dishonor, death, pain, potential suffering. He turned it around and put him and advanced him to such a high position of honor. That's the power of God. And the high honor of Mordecai to which the king advanced him, as they are not written in the book of chronicles of the kings of Media and Persia. For Mordecai the Jew was second in rank to King Ahasius, and he was great among the Jews and popular with the multitude of his brothers. For he sought the welfare of his people and spoke peace to his people. Look what happens when you are careful and prayerful with our words and our actions, that we seek to do what's right, that we work on honoring our bosses, work on honoring the officials that are above us in life. God can truly take any situation and any circumstance and turn it around for our good. That is the God we serve. Well, I hope you learned something this morning. As we get ready to wrap up, please again, we would love to have you a part of our car services that we have for drive-in or to have you come by in Fortress 91. We would really look forward to seeing you, having communion with you, and just having and sharing life together. It is so wonderful to come together in God's house. So we look forward to seeing you this weekend or any time during the week. Just make sure you reach out to your campus pastors and your district pastors so we can help best take care of you. Now, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your words, your promises, your plans. Lord, we thank you that you can advance us, Lord God. That, Lord, whatever our enemies plan, Lord, you can turn it around. 
Lord, we pray, help us, Lord God, to associate with good and godly people, people who will not lead us astray. We thank you for your word, Lord, which is going to strengthen us, that we can turn to, that we have the unfolding of your word, of the mystery, of the revelation of Jesus Christ, Lord God, at our hands, that we can study and grow and not be immature Christians, but be mature Christians, Lord God. Lord, we thank you for the good reports that will flow in. We thank you for the protection, for the harvest, for the healing, Lord God. Lord, we continue to come and ask and pray that you heal our land, that you heal our people. Give strength to our frontliners, Lord God. Give wisdom to the doctors with their patients. Give wisdom to our government, Lord. Give wisdom to everyone, Lord God, who are making important decisions in this time. Lord, we look forward to transfer of wealth. We look forward to dedications. We look forward, Lord God, to wonderful things that businesses will open and flourish, Lord. That, Lord, your hand will be upon people. That this will still be a beautiful year of harvest, Lord God, for your people. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. Lord, we thank you for what you have in store that you are a good father, that you will fulfill the plans and promises that you have made. We give you honor, glory, and praise, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, Pastora A saying, see you guys later. I hope you had a wonderful time this morning. And we look forward to seeing you in any of our drive-in services or Fortress 91. Have an amazing day, you guys. Take care, God bless, and stay safe.